It's page 1063 in the Pew Bibles, 1063, John chapter 1, and we're going to read together from verse 14. John 1, 14. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. From the fullness of His grace we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made Him known. Amen. Let's sing together, open our eyes, Lord. Amen. Well, we all have different traditions at this time of year, but I'm sure many of us enjoy a good Christmas quiz. So I have prepared 10 questions. Well, one question, really. I've got 10 things that I'm going to read to you And I want you to tell me what these ten things have in common. Do you think you can manage that? It's like the boys and girls all over again. You're not sure, but you'll come good. Thank you, whoever that was. Thank you. Thank you, Jane. Here we go. Radio waves, wind, germs, oxygen, Gravity, atoms, temperature, thoughts, music, and lastly, memories. What do all of these things have? Well done. Is that Sandy? Well done, Sandy. We can't see them with the naked eye. We can't see any of these things. Yet who would deny their existence, or their power. Some of them have the very power of of life and death. Others have the power to bring joy or to bring sorrow, to make us laugh or to make us cry. We can't see them, but we certainly recognize their existence and their power. And our passage this morning from John chapter 1 tells us that we can't see God. He says in verse 18, no one has ever seen God. Which raises, I suppose, a question, can we really believe in something or someone that we have never seen, that no one has ever seen? Well, all of us 
do. All of us believe in things that we have never seen. And not just Santa Claus or the elf on the shelf. All sorts of things. There was a storm, um, I think it was about this time of year, a couple of years ago, and uh, I didn't see the wind. I didn't see it, but as I stepped out of the house, I saw what the wind had done, what the wind had left behind. I saw the unearthed trees. I saw the rubbish scattered and strewn all over the street. I saw the wheelie bins that had been blown over and blown onto the roads and blown about. People claiming that the cleaner bin was actually theirs, not the one that had blown from their driveway first thing in the morning. I didn't see the winds, but I saw the impact that the wind had. And I remember uh, going many years back now, I remember a man saying to me dismissively, I don't believe in anything that I cannot see. Don't believe in anything that I can't see. Well, I went on to speak with that man, and I won the argument. I won the argument, but sadly, I didn't win the man because it was just an excuse, really. All of us believe in things that we can't see. an excuse to hide behind. We know that just because we can't see something doesn't mean that it doesn't exist, and it doesn't mean that it's not important. We can't see God, but we can see what God has done all around us. The heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of His hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. We can move from David to Paul, from Psalm 19 to Romans chapter 1. Since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been been made so that people are without excuse. The world shows us God. We look at the complexity of the world and we see something of the intelligence of the God who made the world. We look at its size and its scale. Let's go beyond the world to the universe. The size and the scale of the universe. We see the the numbers sometimes and it's beyond our ability to comprehend. If the, the universe that God has created is beyond our ability to comprehend, to grasp, to fully understand, then how great and how glorious must the God who created the universe be? It speaks of His greatness and His power. And the beauty of the created world speaks of His magnificence and His beauty. 
all of these things together present to us a picture of a God who is glorious and worthy of our wonder and our worship. The world shows us something of who God is. And the Word shows us something of who God is. I wonder if you, you like books. Most ministers have an unhealthy obsession with books. We fill our shelves and our Kindles and our tablets with books. There's a Scottish Baptist ministers, maybe I shouldn't be saying this, there's a Scottish Baptist ministers uh, private Facebook group, and 99.9% .9 of the posts are from ministers who have found great bargains on books. So what we do is we see a great bargain, we buy it to make sure that we've got our copy safe and secure first, and then once we've got it, we post in this group to let other ministers know of this great deal. We love our books. I love to read. And a Church of Scotland minister from many years ago, Alexander Duff, loved his books. He was the first ever Church of Scotland uh, missionary. He was a 23-year-old man when he received a call to go to India with the gospel. He had just been married. And uh, he and his young wife get on this boat to go to India. What do you think he takes with him? He takes 801 things to India. You wouldn't get that in your overhead locker, would you? 801 things. He takes his new young wife and he takes his library of 800 books. And as they head to India, they are shipwrecked. Actually, they were shipwrecked twice. But the first time they are shipwrecked, uh, he and his wife get safely to shore. And uh, I can picture the scene, uh, you know, his wife saying, Alexander, Alexander, we're alive, we're alive. And he's saying, my books, my books, as he stands and looks out to sea. And then he sees a wee parcel bobbing uh, towards the shore. And it, Slowly but surely, it, it comes closer and closer. Eventually, he's able to wade out into the sea and to collect this parcel, and it's a parcel that belongs to him. And in that parcel is one book. He, he's taken 800 books. One of them makes its way to shore. What book do you think that was? The Bible. His Bible. What are the chances that one book would make it safely to shore. And let's say that one book does make it safely to shore. What are the chances that out of the 800 books that he has taken with him, that that one book is the Bible? Well, Alexander Duff saw this as a sign from God that the only book that he would truly need when he went to India was that book, the book, the Bible. And he took the book, I don't know what kind of condition it must have been in, but he was able to open the book to gather the survivors together and to read to them from this book a psalm. And he got to India, he and his wife got to India safely eventually. And before long, he was opening the book, he was opening Scripture to hundreds and hundreds of people who came to hear the good news 
that it contained. He was telling people about the nature of his God from Scripture, the nature of uh, the God of the Lord Jesus Christ from the pages of his Bible. And many people came to faith through his ministry. The Bible reveals to us something of who God is. It reveals something of who God is through the stories that we read of people whose, people whose um, lives have been touched by God in some way in years past. And it reveals to us something of who God is just by, by telling us that God is like this, God is not like that. It presents to us a picture of who God is and who God isn't. And not only that, but it presents to us, it tells us not just who God is, but how we can walk with God. Your words is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. But still there is more. God has gone further still to reveal to us who He is and how we can walk with Him. If you want to know God, look up. Look up to the greatness of the world that God has made. Look to the skies which proclaim his glory. If you want to know God, open up. Open up the pages of this book and read these wonderful passages, these great promises, these stories which speak to us of Him. If you want to know God, thirdly and finally, know Jesus. In Scripture, in the Old Testament, there is a promise, a remarkable promise, that there will be a better revelation of God to come. Therefore, the Lord Himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which we know means God with us. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. A remarkable promise. And then as we step into the New Testament, there is a remarkable claim that God has fulfilled this promise, that God has done what he said he would do. In the beginning was the Word, Jesus. And the Word was with God, so there is some distinction between the Word and God. And the Word was God. It's very confusing at, at, at first, isn't it? How can the Word be with God but be God? But it makes sense for us who believe that the true and living God is the triune God, one God three persons. And we see the same thing in the passage that we read in verse 18. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side. So there is God, the one and only, and yet He is at the Father's side. 
God, the one and only who is at the Father's side, has made him known. Go back to verse 14. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The second person of the Trinity, God the Son, is made man, a human being, for us. Lo, within a manger lies he who built the starry skies. You remember the song that was out a number of years ago now, what if God was one of us? Well, God, we believe, was one of us. He was made man. God in Christ became a flesh and blood human being, a real man, fully human, a man who knew what it was to be hungry, to be thirsty, to be tired, and to be troubled, to weep and to rejoice, to laugh and to cry. A true human being, but never less than God. What if God was one of us? What would it look like? if God was to be made a human being? Well, that person would be one who has never sinned because it's impossible for God to sin. He is holy. He is light. In Him is no darkness. He would be a person who loved because God is love. He would be a person with the power to control nature because God is the Creator God and He cannot be subject to the world that He has created. Maybe He would display His power over the created world, I don't know, by stilling a storm with just a word from His lips. He would be a person who could see and read and understand the thoughts of those around Him because all is laid bare before God. He would be one who could heal the sick because God reveals Himself in Scripture as the one who heals His people. He would be one who could raise the dead because He is the Lord of life and death cannot conquer the eternal living God. He would be one who would have the authority to forgive sins because ultimately all sins, no matter what those sins are, are sins against God. Every sin, no matter who it's against, no matter how serious it may, may be, every sin is in effect us saying to God, I know better than you. Every sin ultimately is against God, and so only God ultimately can forgive sin. And he would be one who would teach about God with great authority because he knows God perfectly. I wonder if this picture sounds familiar. It is a portrait of Jesus. God became a human being to see Jesus is to see God. To know Jesus is to know God. To be known by Jesus is to be known by God. To be loved by Jesus 
is to be loved by God. To be part of His family is to be part of God's family, accepted and welcomed by Him forever. I like the Christmas uh, song, Mary, did you know? It says, Mary, did you know that your baby boy will give sight to a blind man? Mary, did you know that your baby boy will calm the storm with his hand? Did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels trod? When you kiss your little baby, you kiss the face of God. How does John sum up for us what Jesus is like? Well, this is what John says. He says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Full of grace. He came not to judge the world. Judgment will come. Christ will come again. The Bible is clear about that. But He came not to judge the world but to save the world. Christ came to usher in a day of grace, an opportunity, a time where forgiveness may be found full and free simply by turning to Him and trusting in Him, simply by calling on the name of Christ Jesus. Full of grace, giving people what they do not deserve when they call on Him. Forgiveness, peace with God, and life eternal. All gift, all grace, full of grace and truth. He is true, both in the sense of being real and in the sense of being worthy of our trust. He's not fake and He's not false. He is truth, He is reality, and He is true to His people and to His promises. Therefore, He is worthy of our absolute trust, our total surrender. We live in a world increasingly reluctant to commit to anyone or anything, but here is one that we can commit ourselves wholeheartedly to, without reservation, without hesitation, because we know that He will never fail us. He will never forsake us. He will always be true to His people and to His promises. God has gone to great lengths to make Himself knowable. We see something of His nature as we look to the world or to the universe that God has created. We see more clearly as we pick up the book that He has breathed out and given to His people. But the ultimate revelation of God is to be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. How wonderful that God gave us His Son, that Jesus willingly came into this world, took on flesh, was made man to show us God, and not just to show us God, but to show us the way to God, and not just to show us the way to God, but to be the way to God by His life and His death and His resurrection. So we can know about God, 
We can say that this is what God is like and this is not what God is like. Uh, but even better than that, we can know God personally, relationally. We can know about God and we can know God by trusting in His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. I wonder if you know Him as your Lord and Savior. If you do, then you know God as Father and as friend. You have, in a sense, seen God as you have fixed your eyes of faith on Him. And of course, we all look forward to that great day where we will see Him clearly and be transformed into His glorious likeness. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now we know in part. Then we shall know fully, even as we are fully known. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. So this Christmas, remember that God the Son took on flesh and made His dwelling among us, literally uh, pitched His tent among us. Not a palace with great riches, not a fortress to protect Him from the harsh realities of the world. He pitched His tent, a tent of, of meeting, a tabernacle. He pitched His tent among us. We don't need to live alone without God and without hope in this world because the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. And then John could say, we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. My prayer for you and for me this morning, my prayer for us this Christmas time, and always is that we would see His glory and that we would receive His grace, that He would be our true treasure, not just at Christmas, but in every stage, in every season of life. So let's come before the Lord together as we pray. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made Him known. Father, we thank You that You are knowable in Christ Jesus. Forgive us any false pictures that we have held in our hearts of who You are. Maybe some of us have created our own God who always agrees with us, always affirms us, but is different from the true God, the living God. Forgive us, Father. Maybe others have the very opposite problem. We have created a picture of God in our minds, a God who is always angry, always against us, 
qualquer voz fala. And help us to look to the world that you have created. To the God-breathed book that you have given. And to your Son that you have sent into the world. That we might have a true picture of the true and living God. Yes, Father, we pray that we would know the reality that John speaks of. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. From the fullness of His grace we have all received one blessing after another. We ask that You would bless us by causing us to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forevermore. Amen.